Welcome to the Dear Professor series, where college students who take courses online speak their minds. I am your host and e-learning strategist, Dr. Kelly Austin, who is honored to have a conversation with today's guest as she sheds light on her experiences as an online student. I've been teaching online since 2004 and made the tough decision to obtain my PhD through an online program. So I've been both an online instructor and an online student. As a result, I know that some wonderful things are happening with online programs, as well as some not so wonderful things going on. The purpose of this series is to help professors and students experience a more fulfilling online learning environment by allowing students to reveal their needs and pet peeves. I hope that this information will support professors in making the necessary changes or adjustments in the design and delivery of their online courses, which should ultimately enhance student success and satisfaction with distance education. So if you're interested in hearing what students have to say about their lived experiences online, please hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so that every Wednesday at 8 p.m., the latest episode will come straight to you. Also, feel free to comment about anything said and ask questions. If you're listening via a podcast platform, please be sure to follow and rate the series so that your interest and opinion of the show are made known. Now, before we jump into today's conversation, I have one question for you. Have you experienced the power of journaling? I've been journaling for much of my adult life, and because I've found it to be so helpful and therapeutic as a tool for processing my journey, I thought, what if I created a journal designated for my work experience? So in the spring of 2022, I created the Professor's Week in Review, a journal for weekly reflections on the higher ed experience. The journal provides 16 weeks of guided reflection, along with a list of resources and checklists devoted to reflection on self-care, professional development, research interests, and faculty and committee meetings. This journal is a helpful tool for consistently incorporating mindfulness so that you can be fully present in the moment, paying attention to your thoughts and feelings without judgment thereby improving your mental well-being and enhancing your focus and self-awareness. I am so happy to offer this journal to you, which is now available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and Vervante.com. So head over to bit.ly forward slash D-R-K-E-L-L-I-E-A-L-S-T-O-N, that's bit.ly, Dr. Kelly Austin, to purchase your paperback or hardcover journal today. At this very moment, I am so honored to be sharing this time and space with Mrs. Tony Jeter. Well, Happy New Year, Tony. Happy New Year, Dr. Austin. How have you been? I've been really good. I've been really good. Taking it one day at a time. So welcome to the Dear Professor series season two. You are my very first guest for this season, and I am so delighted to have this opportunity to talk to you. 
I'm excited. <laughs> so, Tony, there's this idea floating around that people should create or select a yearly theme to inspire them and guide them, you know, to focus during the year. It's a new year. Have you ever thought about choosing a yearly theme as opposed to New Year's resolutions? Well, I don't do New Year resolutions, but we do <laughs> as a family. <laughs> we uh -huh. do a theme every year. So like for 23, our theme was free to be a better me in 23. That was our theme for 23. So we really hadn't came up with a theme for 24 yet, but we will have one before the year. Okay, free to be a better me. Yes, free to be a better oh. me in 23. That was last year's theme. I love that. Your family has a theme. That is an even better spin on it. So y'all, yeah. everybody's on one page, on one accord with that. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you saw play out in 2023 that related to that theme? Just being more open and honest with who I am. So even like being my true authentic self in any environment that I'm in. So a lot of times I know becoming an educator. So personally being a new teacher and being around a different environment, different people in different spaces, being okay with being who I am, right? And so being okay to express and talk about things that may be different from what everyone else in the room may be discussing or their ideology or their thoughts or their understanding of something and being okay with expressing what I feel, what I think, and not shying away from who I am, regardless of what I look like or what I sound like. I was in a room with people who are like doctors and lawyers and, you know, all these different states right. and moms and stuff. And so it's like sometimes being not like where they are, I could shy away from really being my true authentic self. And so being able to do that in 23 was so enlightening in different spaces. Oh, well, that makes me think, well, my word that I think that I'm going to have is fulfilling. Mm. I want like 99.9% .9 of the things that I do to be fulfilling. And so in that way, I was, I'll was i be free to be me as well because sometimes we just do things to go through the motions uh -huh. or we don't know how to say no to certain things that we really don't want to do and get uh -huh. overbooked and not really living our lives to the fullest. So I said, I think for 2024, I'm just going to choose one word, but I'm going to get fancy like you next year and do a whole <laughs> I'm going to do a whole phrase, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So, Tony, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So, well, I am 39 years old. I have two kids, one in college and one in high school. I have been married for 20 years. This year was our 20-year anniversary, so super excited about that. And I just love to be with my family, love to be in the presence of them because, you know, life is short. And so you want to take advantage of every moment and opportunity. So whether we're playing cards or reading a book or bowling or movies or whatever it is, I just truly love to be with my family. So I have to give you a round of applause for being married for 20 years. Yes. That is incredible. So what has marriage taught you about yourself? Sometimes we can think about what someone else isn't doing. So I know like in a marriage as a wife, I may say, oh, my husband's not doing this or he's doing this and I don't like it or whatever it is. But in this marriage, I mean, 20 years, obviously the biggest thing for me is not looking at him but really focusing on me, what am mm -hmm. I doing or what am I not doing? You know, and when I took that stance of stop pointing a finger at what he is or isn't doing and start looking at within myself, okay, what can you do or what can you change? What can you 
say different? How can you, you know, once I started really looking at myself and changing who I am, it really changed my marriage. And I think that's what made it last for so long. What can I do or what can I not do? So yeah, just making sure that I really focus on me as far as imperfections, so to say, that we need to be corrected or want to be corrected, right? And then once I started looking at myself and changing who I am, changing the things that I saw that was about him and changing those things about me, it really changed our whole marriage. And he started changing and I didn't even have to say anything. So it was just amazing, you know. Okay, well, that was a free marital session (laughs) for everybody. (laughs) That's really good advice because, I mean, I think that can apply to all types of relationships. Yes. You know, and so that is just really good advice. So tell us about your two children. You have one in college and one in high school. Let's talk about the college. How's that going? Who's in college first of all? <laughs> My daughter, she's in college. This is her second year. And I will say that I thought when they were like smaller, that was like such a hard phase of life, right? So you had to do diapers, you had to feed them, you had to change them, you had to play, you had to so much hands on, <laughs> right? But I'm learning as she's going into adulthood and in this college space, having to give her the freedom to like really grow up and learn some things, you know, on her own. It's mm-hmm. harder. I feel like it's a harder phase for me as a mom because I'm like, I know I need to step back, but I want to, you know, is she okay? You know, just different yeah. things that's going on. It's like so difficult to balance being a parent. And, you know, I always tell her, I'm not your friend, but I'm your friend, right? You know, right, so I don't right. want to get twisted, right? But a friend with limits. It's like it's harder now as they're going into adulthood because you're worried about where they are, you know, is there good spaces, are they in relationships, like all kinds of things. Now it's so different in this stage and phase of being a mom and a parent and as she in college, but she's navigating. And she's independent. She's very independent. So a lot of the things I'm not worried about her doing or experiencing, her grades are good. She's finding happiness, you know, all kinds of things going on. So she's doing a really good job. But yeah, for her, we're excited about, you know, her going into adulthood. Yeah, I'm glad I had heard you say that because I'm about to go through that experience. So I know I'm not crazy for thinking those things so it's kind of hard also I know every generation is different but I think theirs is very unique Mm -hmm. compared to times before and so do you have that app where you can follow her everywhere she oh yeah oh yeah yeah. but she shares her location with us anyway so I'm excited about that so thank you Am I gonna do that when she goes <laughs> off to college? Is yes. that does that feel intrusive? She does. You said she shares her, so she didn't that bother her. No, I think like even when I went to the college orientation, they was telling us parents they're in college. Don't follow them everywhere they go. So I don't even try to look at it often, but I know like if she's going out or something, I right. will look at it just so I can make sure that she gets to her location safely. And sometimes I just tell her, "Text me when you get there," and she will say, "I'm here" or "I'm leaving" or whatever. I don't think it's intrusive unless you're on it like all day long. <laughs> Follow every move. But I don't do that. I just, sometimes if I haven't heard from her, I just look and see, okay, let me see where she's at. Oh, she's right. at work or she's in class or whatever. So, Okay. Okay. So I'll be, I'll be you know, I have some sense <laughs> when it comes to that. Now, what about your son? How's he enjoying high school or is he enjoying high school? Oh yeah. He's definitely different from her when it comes to athletics. So he's very athletic. He plays football. He did basketball. He's doing track. Football season is over now, but he's still practicing. Like he's now at the gym at his school with his coach and some other friends, you know, still doing off season stuff, right? Because he's really into sports. (laughs) Does he want to play in college? 
Um, he says he do, but I don't know. He's always been really good at basketball. And okay. then he played football his eighth grade year in middle school. And so he really got into football. And then so in high school, he played his freshman year and he loved it. So now it's all football. He don't even want to play basketball anymore. It's all football. So oh he's focusing goodness. primarily on football. So we'll see. I don't know which way he want to go. He's doing really good academic wise. He's a leader. He's one of superintendent ambassadors. So I don't want him to feel like he has to be like his sister. But I right. do want him to know that it's not just all about sports. You have other things you have to take into consideration, academics, your leadership skills, you know, all kinds of community service and stuff like that. And he's definitely getting engaged and involved. So he's doing really well, too. Yes, because I, I used to say if I had a boy, I didn't want him to play football. I so <laughs> which sport Which sport would you prefer? <laughs> I would prefer basketball. I do, but he... Yeah. <laughs> and you know, his doctor his doctor told us was like you know you think about concussions but more people get concussions playing soccer and some of these other sports that don't really have all the equipment so oh. the doctor kind of helped me out a little bit but I'm still like <laughs> like please play basketball yes <laughs> yeah. me, so what's your general experience with taking courses online so I have been taking classes online since 2006 so very long time, but it wasn't like when I first started taking them, I had just started working at a special children's school. And so I needed to get my early childhood certification certificate so that I can do be certified with early childhood. And so I had to take it online because I was working full time. 2006 was my first time taking an online class and have been taking them ever since, both synchronous and asynchronous. But um, yeah, I truly love it. I think it's convenient. And then, like I said, being a mom, being a wife for such a long time, I feel like, yes, I want to get my degree and I wanted to go to school and I wanted to batter myself, but my family, my home life came first. Right. So being able to do it both, like being able to still be at home and cook dinner and take a class, you know, right? Or been at home, been able to iron clothes or whatever I needed to do, do hair, whatever. I had that flexibility by taking online classes. So I truly just feel like it's convenient. And it worked for my life. Yeah. Who knew when we were little kids that we would be taking classes online? Right. 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 <laughs> Not going in a building to have class. So you said you got your, your early childhood certificate in 2006. Well, what other experience did you have with taking online courses? So, yeah. So that started it. And so 2006, right. when I went back to get my early childhood credentials, I took that. And then I was like, oh, you know what? Because I went to beauty college right after high school. So I okay. did hair, you know, and so I was doing that for a little while, but then that was right in that era when everybody started going natural. <laughs> so then okay. once I was like, oh, this ain't working for me. And so just building up clientele just took a little longer than I wanted it to take. So then that's when I started working at the daycare and feeling like, I can do this. I like kids, you know, and so I started with the credentials. And then from there, I just was like, you know, if I can get these credentials and when I passed and I did really well, I was like, oh. I can keep going, you know, and at the time they had like a teach scholarship where if you go and get your early childhood associate's degree, they would pay for it and cover it and all that stuff. And so I was like, oh, I can do this, but I can't go in person, right? So I was like, I need to be able to go online. And at the community college in where I was living, they had the program, they had it all online. So I was able to sign up and pretty much get it paid for and everything was online. So I was able to get that. I didn't actually complete the associate's degree because I transferred to a four-year university before I was finished. Oh, okay. So you got your bachelor's degree online as well. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Now, let's talk about the design of the courses that you took. You kind of mentioned it a little bit. So online, normally we have two types, major types, mm-hmm. and that's um, synchronous, where you usually have class activities that occur at a designated time. and You have to be in a virtual classroom like Zoom. And then you have those asynchronous experiences where it's the exact opposite. You don't have to be in class. You have access to your materials and you kind of work at your own pace based on the deadlines that the um, instructor gives you. So when you took your classes, particularly for that bachelor's degree, which format did you experience the most at your university? Is it synchronous or asynchronous? I feel like it was maybe half and half, to be honest, because I only had a few classes that where I had to actually get online and meet outside of the asynchronous work that we had to do. So I think it was about like a 50-50. Okay. Okay. So that's good. So you have some experience with both. So which one would you prefer if you had to choose? I think I prefer synchronous. And I say that because I do like, I'm not a really group project person. (laughs) I know we have to do it. I know, I know collaboration works. I love it, you know, but with asynchronous, you don't necessarily have to do it. Right. And so Uh a lot of the stuff is on your own, but with that synchronous, I felt like once I did it the first couple of times, I was like, this is enlightening. This is enriching because you get to hear from other people. You get to hear others ideas. And so just having that time where you can collaborate and really talk and, hear and, and speak and understand it, it really helped me to better understand the content, right? Because I see it from a different, so many different perspectives. I hear, I can read a discussion more, but to really hear people's thoughts and hear what they're saying and really get into the deep discussions was exciting for me. So I do, I think I prefer a synchronous online experience. Okay. So now I got to ask you to rate your experience. This is our question every single episode. <laughs> So if you were to rate that experience with online courses on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being outstanding and one being horrific, what rating would you give and why? To be honest, I would have to probably give it like an eight. Okay. Because all of my experiences, they haven't been like just fabulous, every single one of them, but the majority of my classes that I've taken online I can't complain. Like it's been really good. It's been convenient for me, but I've also learned a lot. And so having that ability to be in my own space, to be, you know, sometimes doing it on your own time, especially when you work full time, your mom, your wife, all this stuff. So having that convenience, but also the professors, the workload, I wouldn't say, because sometimes people say online is more work or some people say it's less work. I don't know. You know, I don't feel like there's a difference. I don't know, but I do feel like so far or out of all the online courses I've taken, I would give it an eight because it's been an enjoyable experience. Like I said, there are some that haven't been the very best, but most of them have been outstanding for me. And so that's why I would give it an eight. Well, good. That's a nice, good score. And (laughs) Tony, for you, since you, since you do have two children and you're married and you work, how did you balance or keep yourself organized in that process? Like, talk to me about that. (laughs) (laughs) I think I prioritized like what I felt was most important for me. Yes, my degree was important, getting these classes, passing them. And I was wanting always to make A's, right? Right. I was like, I gotta make an A. I'm like, I really got to work really hard, I know. 
And I would have like my siblings who have like PhDs and stuff. They'd be like, girl, just get the grade. You're an adult now. You know, but I'm like, no, right. I, want, I want to make an A. And they was like, no, no, no job is going to look at how many A's you made. But it was just for my gratification, right? Right. So um, I desired to do my very best. And so what I would do is I make sure my mom and wife do these. And um, my job was done during the day. And so a lot of times I had a lot of sleepless nights because it wasn't a good balance, right? Because I was up all night doing my schoolwork, but that's when I had that quiet time. Everybody's wound down, everybody's sleep. And so I really had that time to really focus, to read and to understand and do what I needed to do for as far as for my coursework. But after a couple of years, I realized that's not good for me because now I'm sleepy. I'm exhausted <laughs> during the right. day, you know, so I really had to really find that balance, find that time. I'm like, okay, Saturdays and Sundays for three hours in the morning, that's my school time. That was when I do a lot of my reading and my, any kind of projects or tests or whatever. So just really strategically planning that time in my daily schedule. I'll, I'm a writer, so I like to write in my planner. And so I would write on Saturdays from 12 to 3. This is nothing but schoolwork time. Or on Sundays, 4 to 6. This is the time where I'm in between football games or whatever, you know, I'm going to do my schoolwork. So just really finding that balance. And it's been changing over the years. Of course, now my kids are older. I don't have to do a whole lot for them as much as I used to. So now when I was taking those classes before graduation, it was easier to find that time. I had a lot more time because my kids are more independent. So yeah, right. it just changed over the years. Yeah, it's important that you find your groove and that you don't feel like you're stuck with having to do it a certain kind of way. Because like you said, things change. Sometimes your students, your children have a lot of activities and you got mm-hmm. to say, hey, well, I'm going to be too tired to really give my all, you know? So I, some people are morning people, which is not, you know, I'm not a person at all. <laughs> so they get up early before the kids and do their work. I've heard mm-hmm. that, but that's good that you had like a specific kind of like schedule and you were able to adjust and be flexible and change it once you realized that you needed to. So let's talk about your needs as an online student. A need is defined as something you require because it is essential or very important. When you click on the online course or courses in which you're enrolled, what do you require or desire from the professor and the course for you to be successful, Tony? So for me, I think one of the most important needs for me, um, I had a couple, but communication and that frequency of that communication, right? Because it's not face-to-face. So if I had a question in class, I could just raise my hand and get the answer right then and there. But when you're taking that online course, I really need (laughs) that communication. And if I have a question today and the assignment is due next week, I am not a procrastinator. So if I don't get it like soon, I get worked up and anxious and everything. So I'm like, I need it frequently. Like when I ask the question, not like, yes, yeah, 24 to 48 hours is what I'm thinking when I say frequently, especially online. Um, So definitely having that communication, but also having visuals and clear expectations when it comes to the syllables. So sometimes taking online courses, the professor may give us activities or assignments and it's not really detailed or you don't I don't have enough to understand exactly what my professor is looking for and so sometimes I'm like uh can I just assume that this is the way it should be or you know and so that's why I say the communication was bigger because if that clear expectation isn't there then I need to be able to communicate with you so I can get an understanding of what you're looking for right and so I just think the needs for me were visuals clear expectations in the syllables and then communication having it 
the frequent communication system. Okay, so good. So I like that you gave specifics in terms of the time frame, 24 to 48 hours with that communication. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find that that was a, a problem often or just here and there with the courses you took? It was just here and there. Some professors were way better at communicating than others, but life happens, I get it. But again, <laughs> it was okay. just here and there. Yeah. So Tony, let's help professors out a little bit when you say visuals and clear expectations. So when you need a visual, you're talking about like for a specific assignment. Right. So like, say if I had to do a project mm-hmm. and it was maybe a three part project. Right. And so the first part may be a written part and then you might have to do like an images or something or a video or something like that. Just take samples of what you're looking for to give me kind of a clear idea, especially if it's a class that I don't have anything, any understanding about. Just having that visual to see a writing piece. Sometimes we're not very good writers, right? And we don't understand what needs to take place or what the professor is looking for. Because I might think, oh, I wrote this and it's good. And the professor will be like, uh-uh, that ain't work. You know, but you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. And so just having those visuals there, like samples, sample okay. work. Okay. And in terms of the clear expectations, is that in the assignment instructions or Mm -hmm. is that like a rubric? What helps you to know exactly what's being expected outside of that sample? So, yeah, like, so we get a syllabus, right? And so in that syllabus, you have the due dates and assignments. But also, like you said, like when you get that extra rubric that breaks down exactly what they're looking for. I didn't always get that in all of my classes. Right. So I did get a syllabus that had activities and due dates, but not necessarily the rubric that broke down. So if I didn't have a visual or if I didn't have a video or anything to help aid me with that assignment, at least I had that rubric where I can look at, okay, this is exactly what I'm looking for or three or two or whatever the grading scale may have been. So yeah, a rubric probably would have been very helpful for most of the classes. And most of them did do it on certain assignments, but not everything. Okay. All right, Tony. So you said something that I was going to bring up to you and is you don't know what you don't know. Okay. (laughs) That is so true. When you were taking a course online or any of your courses, did you ever experience realizing that you needed something that you didn't know you needed until you experienced it? Yeah, I did a geography course um, (laughs) a lot and we had to use a lot with Google Earth. And like okay. maps and stuff. And I don't know, like technology, I can navigate technology, but that Google Earth and all those different numbers and all the different, <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know, right? I didn't know I needed to be tech savvy. I needed an IT support somewhere, somehow to help me <laughs> <Your back class. laughs> navigate this class. Because I, to be honest, I was lost in that class. I'm trying to figure it out, you know, looking at Google Earth and getting all the numbers and the axes and all that stuff that go with it. I'm like, oh, I need some IT support. <laughs> they need a sign on the, a note on the course when you, when you enroll saying you need an IT person in yes. to help you with this class. Yes. Uh, let me tell you something. Geography and I are not friends. Okay. So I would have really been in trouble. Ooh. I wouldn't even tell you what happened to me when I took geography in undergrad. Okay. Just say, it, it did not line up. So like you said, you always have to make an A. Yeah. I used to be like that till I took that geography class. Okay. <laughs> right. And I was just glad to pass. Like they say, yeah. C's, C's degrees. 
<laughs> I was just happy to pass that geography class. Woo, I'm a yeah, tip. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, even taking any online course, that IT support, because you think, oh, this is going to be easy. I get online and do what I'm supposed to do. But it's a lot of things that happen in between your courses that you don't know that you need, especially when it comes to like your computer or, you know, your hard drive, anything. That IT support is definitely necessary. So do you think they should offer some type of module or some kind of train, something to to make you aware of this before you get started or you just have to learn as you go? I feel like it depends on courses, right? Because that geography class, that's all we used was technology, different types of technology. So for a course like that before, it probably should be like a beginning introduction to the course or something (laughs) right? Uh, (laughs) that you could use. But I'm thinking like for some of my other courses, I didn't necessarily need all of that. Okay. So I don't know if the college necessarily needs to offer something or depending on the course itself right. okay. should offer some kind of introduction. Okay, Tony, well, it's time to talk about your pet peeves. Now you gave us some really good needs, some tips, but now we want to hear what bothers you. <laughs> pet peeve is a minor annoyance that an individual finds particularly irritating and it's something that bothers you more than it might bother other people and that's okay. So Tony, when you were taking your online courses, what was it that really annoyed you? I guess for me being an older adult, like an older student uh-huh. in, in most of my classes, like I was People were really surprised when I found out, oh, you're that old? And not that I'm old, but compared to <laughs> traditional college students, right? Right. So, of course, the way I carry myself, the way I even just word things and put things out is different. I understand that because we're different generations. But the one that really just was like, oh, would just get under my skin, it was really a pet peeve of mine, is when a lack of, I guess, participation and uh, paying attention because to me I feel like a lot of uh, times when I was in online courses the professor could say exactly what she wanted right go through right. all the instructions and everything and literally after she and I get asking questions to clarify right but every single time you asking the same exact thing she just said like <laughs> I don't know it just bothered me and I feel like that might came from a lack of paying attention or being really engaged and involved because when you're online you could be doing a lot of different things and so maybe you didn't hear or maybe you didn't fully understand it or whatever I don't know what it is but so many of my courses I'm like she just said that (laughs) and sometimes you have to say it over and over again I'm like okay how else could she say it or how else could they say it right are we really paying attention or understanding and I know that's just a difference in age and everything and so that's one of my pet peeves yeah so you only had one well, I had another one. Procrastination. Okay. When I had to do group work projects. Okay. And stuff. That's why I said one thing that I don't really prefer is projects. I in my family, of course, like my kids and my husband, they all know that when I'm given a, a task, mm-hmm. I like start on it immediately. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it's not a good thing. It could be a bad thing. But like my whole family, like my husband and my daughter, they're all procrastinators. And it bothers me to like <laughs> But they say they work best at their last moment. I can't. Right, right. I'm like, oh, so many people say it though. They're like, oh, I work best when there's like no more time left. I'm like, oh. And so when you're working in groups, to me, it has to be a balance. I get some people, you know, they work their very best at the end, but I don't. And so when everybody's waiting to the last minute and I've already started, but it's a group work project or activity. And so I, it just procrastination. I'm not saying you have to start on it right then and there, but let's not start on it right when it's time for it to be due. 
And so most people work like that. And I ended up like kind of going with the flow sometimes, but I was so Mm -hmm. stressed, so anxious and so worried that it's not going to get done. And it always did, but I would sometimes take on more just so I can get it done. for the due date or whatever. So yeah. yeah. So you just made me think of something. So perhaps do you think if an instructor is going to do group work, right, and require that, should they do a survey of sorts to kind of see people's learning preferences or their timeliness? I'm thinking about how when I go on the tours with my daughter and they talk about choosing a roommate and they have them mm-hmm. to do kind of like a little survey, like, are you a person that you're a night person? Are you, would it be, a good thing to have maybe a survey go out to say, are you a person that does? Cause I'm one of those people, like you just mentioned that I know the papers do and like it's on the syllabus <laughs> in three weeks and I'm going to start like probably, <laughs> <laughs> you probably would not believe that, but I would start probably maybe three to four days before. I can't believe that. <laughs> I mean, let, me you, I mean, let me tell you what's bad about people like us that do that. Because we get a good grade. And so we'll say, I'm never going to do this again. This is crazy. I cannot believe that I stayed up all night doing this. I'm not blah, blah, blah. And then you get rewarded with a good grade. And so, mm-hmm. you know, subconsciously, that reinforcement, that behavioral, you know, reinforcement <laughs> that, well, when I wait to the last minute, I still get an A. And you do it again. And you do it again and again and again, you know? Right. I got you. And I remember my, um, my cousin told me that one time because she, if she knows the assignment's doing three weeks, oh, she's starting yesterday, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she will have that paper done. And she was like, I can't wait to the last minute like you because I have to like, really think out what I'm doing and, you know, to get that A and get it done. Mm-hmm. But I'm in the group with your other family members. <laughs> so do you think that would have helped, like, if you had been grouped with people that were like you, that like to get things done? You know what, Professor? I, was, I really do think that would be helpful, but I also felt like it helped me a different way, I guess, because my uh-huh. mindset, because I do need to learn how to <laughs> work with <laughs> others who are not just like me, right? It helped me because now that I'm in a field of educators, everybody don't teach like me. Right. We all are different. And so it helped me be able to really work with this thing, with this group of people and be able to be flexible or stand on something that I do believe or whatever. So I think it helped me in both ways. But I do think it could be helpful to group in some instances to group people that are like minded or in the same stage or phase. But then right. also it help us on the other end. too. Right. To learn how to um, to deal with diversity. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's really big right now. So we want to be able to work with all types of people. And yes. so that's a good point as well. So I hope that you that's something good that you gained out of group work outside. Yes. Of mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, we've made it to the Dear Professor segment where okay. you get the opportunity to share your heart with the fellow professor that you have in mind. Now, I want you to imagine that there's an online bulletin board. It has sticky notes on it with messages from students to their professors. What's the note you would leave one of your online college professors, Tony? So I would say, dear professor, thank you so much for an engaging, fun learning environment, right? Even though it was online and we wasn't face-to-face, we weren't in the same atmosphere or the same classroom, it was still fun. It was engaging. Everyone was participating. So thank you, thank you, thank you for creating that atmosphere for us. I would say the hardest thing, if I had to give like a criticism, a constructive criticism, 
I will say the hardest thing for me, Professor, was to experience a lack of understanding as far as when it came to the accent or the dialect of the professor. Sometimes because of the spoken language, it was hard to understand. And so when I didn't have like a clear, concise syllabus or rubric or something to really help me understand what you're looking for, I didn't have that, but I also couldn't hardly understand because of the deep accent or dialect of that professor. I think having those examples, clear written communication, maybe videos or samples or whatever would be really helpful because I know that all professors are not just speaking just English like me, right? And so I do get that and I had a great experience, but it was really hard to understand because of the accent and dialect. So making sure that there is other um, resources that's available to help me get a better, clearer picture of what's expected and what's needed out of the course. And then I would say to close it out, dear professor, the classes that I took under you were some of the toughest classes, right? That I didn't know that I had the ability to do or to accomplish some of the things that I did in the class. So I think that having that high expectation, having not mediocre classes, right? Mediocre syllabus, assignments, or tests, it really made me to be able to dig deeper put forth my best effort, think outside of the box to really get that full understanding and be able to retain, not just to be able to read and understand what I'm needed for the activity or assignment, but to fully retain and keep the information because it was related to my work that I do today. And so I'm truly grateful and it made me a better student. Yes, the classes were tough. There was a lot of work, but I came out on top and I came out stronger and better, not just a better student, but a better person, a better teacher. And so I'm so grateful for all that I learned and I learned so much in these courses. Oh, Tony, that was so thorough and so well thought out. I love how you um, created what we call a compliment sandwich. And you started off with such a positive and then you were, I think I like how transparent you were about the fact that the accent was an issue for you. Um, I did experience that, you know, that geography class that I talked about. Uh Uh-huh. That's yeah, I had a professor, that, the professor that taught that course, her accent was so strong and it was very difficult for us to understand. So that is a reality for students as well. And then you ended with sharing how challenging the course was, but that that benefited you in the real world, mm-hmm. right? It showed yes. you some things about yourself that you didn't know. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Yes. As we close out, let me just share my takeaways from today's conversation. So, Tony, when you take online courses, you need frequent communication. That is essential. You would prefer for an instructor to get back to you within 24 to 48 hours. You also need visuals and clear expectations when it comes to the syllabus and assignments. And those visuals could include samples and also uh, rubrics would be helpful to break down, you know, what is expected and exactly what the instructor is looking for. Mm-hmm. Was that on point? Did I get that right? Absolutely right on point. <laughs> well, good. Well, Tony, thank you so much for being my very first guest for season two. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Yes, talking to you has made my heart happier. And I pray that 2024 exceeds your hopes and dreams and that you continue to be a light 
in the field of education. And you have to get back with me and let me know what your uh, yearly theme is going to be. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. I'm on the edge of my seat to hear what that's going to be. <laughs> Free to be me. And then let's see what 2024 is going to be. Do you like for them to rhyme or you just kind of, is that why you they- did they usually do because this one was free to be a better me in 23. So, yeah, they oh, usually do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Okay, well, thank you all for joining us. Remember to comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe. I look forward to spending time with you next week on the Dear Professor series where college students who take courses online speak their minds. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.